You're listening to Oh No Lit Class. Dead authors, fresh takes, and the epilogues you never knew you needed. That's basically spark notes, except it says fuck a whole bunch more. I'm Megan. I'm RJ. And today we are going to talk about. It's alive! We're talking about Frankenstein today! I don't think it ever says it's alive in the book. No, it, it doesn't. There's a lot of things that we associate with Frankenstein that are absolutely not in the book, and we're totally gonna talk about them today. But just as like a really quick rundown before we even get into it there's no igor or igor 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 neither of those frankenstein frankenstein whatever there is gore yes there is gore no igor or igor or al gore no (laughs) an inconvenient frankenstein the name, the name of the monster is not Frankenstein. Frankenstein's the name of the dude. It's not the name of the doctor, because he's not a fucking doctor. He's a shitty little college dropout. But, uh, yeah, we'll get to all Wait that. Wait, doctor at shame? That's not a thing! Doctor at shaming is not a thing! So, this is a book with a lot of, sort of, background. Both in how it was created... And sort of the pop culture uh, shambling monstrosity that it became afterwards. So um, we're going to try to tackle both sides of that with a little bit of, you know, the actual plot of the book in between. Like a delicious corpse sandwich. Corpse sandwich. Get them while they're hot. No. No. Shockingly low prices. Eh. Tell us about Mary Shelley, RJ. Which one? Actually, wait. There's only one Mary Shelley, Yeah. Huh? Good, good try, though. Well, there's Mary, and then there's Mary. Okay. Because she wasn't always Mary Shelley. No, she, she was Mary Wollstonecraft. Yeah, there's two of those. Well, yeah, but uh, that's why I said Mary Shelley. Most people <laughs> would be able to put two and two together, but I know you need a little time. Well, Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin Shelley. Woof. Sporn, August 30th, 1797. Lived all the way to February 1st, 1851. She was born to a Mary, Mary Wollstonecraft, which was really weird to me to think about because this whole family, they keep naming people after themselves. But then I was thinking about it. I've never heard of a woman named Junior. And so when there's two Marys running around, do they call the other one Junior? That's true. That really is kind of like a generally patrilineal sort of thing. However, they wouldn't need to call her Junior for too long because Mary's mother, Mary, died 11 days after having Mary. So really, this wasn't even an issue at all. For 11 days. For 11 days, there were two Marys. And yet, you were so confused (laughs) when I told you to talk about a Mary. Oh, Mary's running around all over this piece. No, no, she died 11 days after giving birth to her. Well, maybe you want to know about Mary's mother, Mary. She's an interesting fellow, too. You want to walk that one back? No. Okay. Continue. So after Mary's mother's Mary, wait, after Mary's 
mothers. No, after Mary's mother. Mary. We're going to be here a while. <laughs> after Mary's. <laughs> Alright, wait, we gotta. Alright, after Mary's All right, mother buried. You. I'm trying to help. I mean, if you want to go through the whole story. Mary's mother, Mary, married Mary's dad. Then, after Mary's mother, Mary, died, she was raised by that dad, her mother, Mary, married. God, this is like the world's worst fucking tongue twister. <laughs> Her father, William Godwin, he was an anarchist, and he wrote many things about anarchy. That's very sexy. Given his political background, he did not believe in formal education, so he educated Mary all on his own. Um, Just a single dad trying to do right by his girl, by keeping her isolated from everyone. Well, he didn't keep her isolated from everyone. He would tutor her, and he would bring in people to tutor her as well. Some people such as Samuel Coleridge or Aaron Burr. So, huh. All right, that's a that's an interesting tutoring group. Going to teach you how to get addicted to opium, write poetry, shoot some dude, and become vice president. He had connections. Now, one of his political followers was some guy by the name of Percy Shelley. He's the guy who winds up marrying Mary Shelley. Percy Shelley got kicked out of his own family because of his political leanings. And so he needed a family. And so Percy would be coming and going in and out of the house with William and Mary in it. Uh, Mary was formally introduced to Percy when she was 14. When she turned 16 and Percy was 21, the two of them began meeting at Mary Wollstonecraft's grave in secret. Where they would date. In case anyone is not clear on this, Mary lost her virginity on her mother's grave. That is, that's a historic fact. And they fell in love there. Right, <laughs> right on Mary's mother's, Mary's <laughs> grave. Ew. I don't think there were issues there at all. Nah, totally normal. Very healthy. Mary and Percy kept this relationship a secret for about a year um, because at that point she was pregnant and it was kind of becoming hard to hide the fact they were together. Um, just hold like a big basket in front of you at all times. No one will notice. It'll be great. Now the two of them thought, eh, this wouldn't be such a big issue because, Hey, Mary's dad's going to be cool with this. Right. But he wasn't, you see, Percy had promised that he would give, uh, William a lot of money coming from a rich family but percy's family wasn't giving percy any access to the money so williams was expecting quite a bit of money percy said oh you're out of luck guy and i knocked your daughter up (laughs) bpt dubs (laughs) and so william was like yeah you guys got to get out of here like fast and both mary and percy were like hey but aren't you like the cool anarchist guy who wrote like you know, we don't need relationships. Marriage is like bonk. Like, just be cool with it. And William's like, yeah, but this is now. And I changed my mind. And that's my daughter you fucked up. Get out. I thought you were a cool dad. And so they got kicked out. So Percy was still married at this point to a different woman. Yeah, you didn't bring that one up. Well, he... 
has a lot of relationships with people. So yeah, Percy was still married to another woman. When did he get married to her? A while ago. He's fucking 22 at this point. He's a busy man. My God. So he's married to another woman who's currently not in the picture. Uh-huh. He decides to run off with Mary. Mary has a stepsister, Claire Claremont, who goes, hey, wait, you guys are running away? I'll run away with you. Now, secretly, she was in love with Percy also, which is probably why she wanted to run away with him. Percy had sex with her too, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, romantics. So the trio run away from William Godwin's house and just go on the land. The three of them are penniless and just began living place to place. Percy being... So you mean homeless. They were vagabonds. Drifters. Loners. Now, Percy being Percy, you know, still being married to another woman, having knocked up Mary. Were him and Mary married? No, not yet. Okay, all right. They they had not gotten married yet. He gets freed up soon. Don't worry about that. All right. But being the free-loving guy he is, he introduces Mary to a friend of his named Hog. The man's name is Hog. Oh, God. Now, Mary wasn't so much into Hog. But then she has the baby that she was pregnant with, and the baby dies, like, immediately. Ooh. And so she's kind of sad about it. Percy doesn't really know how to console her. So Hog does know how to console her. Is, Mary, it, is, is it with his penis? No, oh, it's with emotions. Oh, good. Okay. Mary writes a letter to Hog, and I quote, My dearest Hog, <laughs> my baby is dead. Oh, no! <laughs> Will you come see me as soon as you can? Oh, God, that's like the worst set of words ever. My dearest hog, my baby. Now, no matter how much Percy pushed Mary to have sex with Hog, it doesn't seem Mary ever had sex with Hog. Okay, so Hog was just there for emotional support, and Percy's a tool. Also, just a side note, this kid that died, Yeah. this was the first of three... Uh, of Mary Shelley's babies to die. Yeah, that I knew. Uh, they go on like a whole jaunt across the countryside marked by like dead babies, if I'm not mistaken. Well, they have, they, they have a total of three dead babies. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So they're like, eventually, I know eventually they, they hook up with Lord Byron. And I don't know. Well, yeah, so we could talk about when they hook up with Lord Byron in Geneva. That is where Frankenstein was supposedly written. It is Lord Byron, Mary Shelley, Percy Shelley. Claire Claremont, and I believe a few others. Um, so, if you uh, recall back to our Jane Eyre episode where we mentioned the uh, thing that's called like a Byronic hero, this is the dude that is named for that, Lord Byron. And he's not a hero. He is just a real horny dude who, like, Percy and Mary are, are dealing with their whole business mary keeps having babies that die and lord byron is just like hey i bet i could put my dick in this tree and that hole and that lady and that dude and just everything just all the things now at this point it was 1818 so mary and percy have been together for a couple years at this point Percy was still married to the other woman. Of course. But Mary was introducing herself to people as Mrs. Shelley. Kind of weird. It wasn't until the end of 1818 where 
Percy and Mary were finally able to get married because Percy's wife committed suicide. Oh my god. Uh, also, just some foreshadowing. Claire Claremont was at this villa with them eating chocolate and writing. Um, again, this was Mary's stepsister. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> she eventually committed suicide later in life. Also, after professing her love for Percy and not getting any of that love for herself. What was it about Percy's dick that just sows tragedy wherever it may go? He's a real Emily Dickinson. Yeah. Ah! There's a pun there. Anyway, while these people were in Geneva, Mary wrote of this time later in life saying, It proved to be a wet, ungenial summer, and incessant rain often confined us for days to the house. And basically what these people would do is just sit around and write. And one day, Lord Byron proposed, everyone write a ghost story. No, TV isn't a thing yet. And so that is what they did. And we'll talk about the book in a moment here. I do have a couple other notes, though. So as I mentioned earlier, Mary and Percy scattered the mountains and the landscape with three dead babies before having their fourth baby that did survive that baby's name. Albert Einstein? Percy Shelley. Oh, well, yeah, there we go. PJ. Because these people just name babies after themselves. Little PJ. And the other thing that I found interesting is Mary wrote about the summer in Geneva as, quote, when I first stepped out of childhood into life. And this made me think. So at this point, she had a few miscarriages. She had run away from her father to to be with a guy who was cheating on women left and right, who was leaving pregnant women around all over the place. But writing a story, this is what made her a woman. Well, also, she might have finally hit, like, age 20 at this point. So, like, she literally just wasn't a teenager anymore. She was 21. There you go. Um, Jesus Christ. Just to finish... Excuse me. Just to finish this fun story... Three years later, when Mary was 25 years old, Percy, the husband, not the baby, right, drowned. Fun story about that. When they got his body on the shore, they burned his body. Oh, yeah, this is weird. And when they burned his body, his heart did not burn. His heart was calcified, so it was like stone. Oh, that's so weird. I and remember reading about that. So one of the friends that was present took the heart, Dude. kept the heart, <laughs> and they buried Percy Shelley's heart when Percy Shelley, the son, died, and they put it in Percy Shelley's grave. So in Percy Shelley's grave, there's two hearts. Belonging to. Both Percy belonging to Percy, Percy Shelley. Shelley. Wow. And that was 67 years later. Everything about their story is just like a fucked up hardcore metal album. Percy Shelley, he was hard-hearted. To doom. Eventually, Mary died after 10 years of suffering with illness. <laughs> Yay! The end. I mean, Such I mean, do, do you want tales. more? Um, after... Okay, well, let's, okay, well, let's, let's circle. Oh, I, I could talk about per, uh, Mary Shelley's demise. After, you don't have to! I can tell you. It's good. It's all up here. After Percy's death, Mary was left with Percy Jr., Again, still pretty penniless and homeless. Her own father still had nothing to do with her. And so she tried to convince Percy's family to take her and Percy Jr. in. They were still not very happy about the 
anarchy stuff. And so they told Mary, we'll take our grandson in, Percy Jr., but we won't take you in. And that wasn't good for her. Eventually, she convinced them that's kind of hard-hearted, kind of like Percy was. Uh, <laughs> she she kind of convinced... Wrap it up, wrap it up. And so what they did is they gave Mary an allowance out of Percy Jr.'s inheritance, but under the condition that Mary would repay all that money. Wow. And so she continued on. She wrote more novels, short stories, and other such things. She got an illness, had it for 10 years, then she died. Happy story. Yay, literature. Never remarried. But who can once you go Percy? Once you go Percy, apparently you either commit suicide or are just doomed to sadness. (laughs) It's an eternal bond. Gross. All right, so let's circle back to a comparatively happier time in young Mary's life to that wet, terrible summer in Geneva. It was Geneva, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where she's like, hey, guys, y'all mind if I just invent science fiction? And she wrote Frankenstein. She stole it all. Oh, yeah? We're going to get into this. She's a liar. She's a liar. I don't even think she wrote it. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay. Back up. We didn't talk about that beforehand. Yeah, he wrote parts. Percy wrote parts? Yeah. It's unclear how many parts, but parts. We know he wrote the preface for sure, the original preface. Okay. That was him. Um, This is is the preface. The rest, well, that's the only thing they admit that he wrote. Mm-hmm. The rest we have to piece together. It sounds like they're just trying to keep a woman author down. No, she lied, though. Like, there's, what well, we could talk about, things that she lied about with the book that are really stupid to lie about. The name Frankenstein, Okay. Mary's asked, how'd you come up with that? She said, oh, it came to me in a daydream. Turned out, Frankenstein's the name of a town in Germany that exists, that her and Percy went to. She said, told people, no, no, I've never been there. Then after she died, people found her diary. You know where Percy and Mary went? Frankenstein. That is a weird thing to lie about. Yes. What? No, never been there. I've been to the town of Frankenstein. Yeah, they lied about Both of them lied about that. Huh. That's weird. And the book was originally published anonymously. Whoa. Well, lately, women had to do that back in the fucking day. That's why we had our, our pals, Kerr, Kerr, Ellison, Acton Bell. This is true. But uh, it really is an issue where people have argued both sides on how much Percy helped write the novel. That was he more of a publisher where he kind of helped edit or were there kind of... That's called an editor, not a publisher. Or... Was he a little more hands-on? We do know that Mary claims that she got the idea of Frankenstein from listening to Lord Byron and Percy talking about using electricity to reanimate bodies. Probably so Lord Byron could put his dick in them. Hot. Yeah. Tight. Okay, nope. Don't. don't uh, nope. Stop. So let's talk about the book. Which book? That, the Frankenstein. The Modern Prometheus. Well, it's really not modern anymore. No, at the time. This is like 200 years old. The 200-year-old Prometheus. It was modern in in the time, obviously. 
Here's the book that Mary apparently only kind of wrote. <laughs> Mostly wrote. Mostly. Let's say, what, like 90-10, It's a source of debate. All right. Um, I'm just telling people the facts. So it's a fairly straightforward uh, kind of story, but I think a lot of students might have problems with it when they read it. I know I kind of had a hard time getting into it when I first read it, and I had to read it like on three separate occasions because that's what happens when you get a literature degree in college. Part of the reason that I did have trouble getting into it, and I think that, you know, other people might have as well, is that it's like a fucking story turducken. We've got like a story within a story within a story thing going on here. Um, the book is opens with the framing device of this dude named Captain Walton who is sailing to the North Pole because he has nothing better to do than to go, like, fucking dick around on the icy seas, and he whines about it in letters to his sister. So the first couple of chapters are actually just like, hey, sis, it's fucking cold up here. It sucks. Sincerely, Walton. Um, and then one day, him and his crew just find a dude, you know, just wandering around the North Pole. Santa. No, not Jesus. Santa. That makes less sense. Moses? No, it's a guy. Uh, it's, it's not Santa. It's not Jesus. It's just a guy. And he says, my name is Victor, and boy, do I have a story for you. So, except instead of getting to, like, the interesting part of the story where he makes a corpse person, he tells Walton his entire life story, including a delightful childhood where he grew up with his best friend Henry and his adopted sister Elizabeth, who he totally wants to bone because isn't that always just the way? In the midst of this delightful childhood, young Victor has plans beyond just boning his kind of sister. Plans that involve science. It's alive? Not yet. And by science, he means magical alchemy bullshit. Might be bullshit to you. It, it was bullshit at the time, too, because he goes away to college at the age of 17, and his professors laugh at him, as they rightly should, for him wanting to be some kind of wizard man. So it was bullshit back then, too. Uh, so Victor tries to buckle down, and he takes organic chemistry, and he tries to learn, like, real science, but he just keeps getting hung up on how super neat it would be to play God and subvert the laws of life and death because he can't just sleep around and drink shitty beer like a normal college student. So at this point, Victor stops going to class and starts looting graveyards for body parts to make a corpse man, because that's a normal, healthy thing to do, and... And so, like, that's, like, the main thing of the book, which I think people don't think about just how fucking, like, bizarre and absurd it is. Like, summarize Frankenstein. A self-obsessed, arrogant 19-year-old college dropout decides to make a corpse man for funsies. And it goes about as well as you would expect. This reminds me of a movie I watched. It had Harry Potter in it and some other guy. Would, would it happen to be Professor X? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get to that. You hold on to that. Oh. <laughs> okay. You're going to think about it later. Don't you know, hold that thought. So Victor creates his corpse man, and against all logic, it works, and he comes to life. No, but they don't say it. Well, no, but I thought you were going to want to. I was, I was just going to give you the chance to say it. I'm trying to be true to the book. You're full of shit. And so... He brings it to life and nothing is shouted. No one says anything. Well, actually, Victor does say something because before, like, the creature uh, has time to do anything, 
Like, to even just be like, Daddy, Victor goes, Oh, fuck, this thing I made out of dead bodies is really ugly and awful. Who could have foreseen this? And then he runs away. Ah. Uh, so Victor then falls ill with what was known at the time as sensitive dipshit disease, and his buddy Henry has to nurse him back to health. So this is several months later. Uh, he eventually gets better and tries to go on with his life and pretend like he never made a dude out of dead people. Like, if he just doesn't bring it up, it never happened, and there's just not a corpse man out wandering around somewhere. And then Victor's younger brother is found mysteriously dead, and Victor's like, gee, I wonder if this might be related to my corpse son. Spoiler alert, it is. What makes him a son? Because Victor made him out of other people's body parts, but still. Do you think he specifically looked for a penis? Oh, God. Um, I mean, the, the creature is gendered as male, so one would... I really don't want to think about that. Him just scouting dicks. Now, do you think he took the first dick he found, or did he have to find the right dick? Uh, based on everything we have learned about Victor Frankenstein so far, you know he totally had to find the right dick. Think it's cut? I don't know enough about his Swiss. Swiss yeah, they were in like Geneva and history and... Um, I guess it probably not, like, as, as a real person, non-jokey answer. No, Frankenstein's monster's dick was probably not circumcised. So Victor's really sad about his brother being dead, but doesn't ever say, hey, I might be sort of responsible for this, and instead he goes to the Swiss Alps to be sad there. And it turns out that the monster is there too, also being sad. And he tells Victor his life story. So if... Like father, like son. Yeah, really. If we're keeping track here, just, you know, so you're all keeping score at home, the monster is telling his story to Victor, who's telling his story to Walton, who's telling his story to his sister in a letter that we are reading Jesus Christ. It's exhausting. It's a pretty long letter. Yeah, for real. So here's the monster's life, in a nutshell. He awakens. His dad screams in horror at how ugly he is. He lives in the woods. Learns that fire is bad, becomes kind of obsessed with some villagers, and watches them all the time, and that's how he learns language and how to talk. He also learns to read, and then finds a copy of Paradise Lost in the Woods, because Mary Shelley says so. And so he's all learned, and now it's really tragic, because he now has, like, the knowledge to understand just how fucked up he is as a dude made of other dead dudes. Aren't we all just stardust? We're all made up of dead stars. He's made up of a very specific assemblage of dead stars. <laughs> stars are stars. <laughs> stars are st <laughs> stars are stars. RJ, twenty seventeen. So the creature then runs into Victor's little brother, because Mary Shelley says so. And Victor's brother is apparently just as dumb as Victor because his first reaction is, Ew, gross, don't touch me. My dad's important. His name's Alphonse Frankenstein. And so the creature is like, Uncle William, why? And kills him. So the monster finishes his story and follows up, I killed your brother with, Build me a corpse lady so that I may do a sex thing. Because all of literature basically boils down to wanting to do a sex thing. And Victor agrees. Maybe because he feels bad, but probably because he knows the creature could kick his ass. So Victor dicks around for like two years, being like, gonna build that lady monster, eh, 
any day now. So anyone who's ever procrastinated on a project, at least you didn't do it as bad as Victor. Now, how much of the two years do you think he spent looking for the perfect labia? Ew, probably a while, though. Like, he would be like, nah, monster, I can't build it yet. I gotta find... A, some real sweet dead lady Vijay, this is the worst sentence I've ever said in my life. So eventually he does start, but he's so grossed out by the idea that his corpse son and corpse daughter might have ugly little corpse babies that he decides, yeah, no, I, I'm not I'm not doing this thing. He could have just not given her ovaries. I don't think there's really any way that they could have reproduced. Like, even if they were alive due to magic, electricity, like, alchemy, like... I don't think the monster had sperm, and yeah, like, I don't think the lady monster would have ovaries. I don't think they, that's not how, like, a thing works, but Victor's an idiot, I guess, and so... No one ever taught him, actually, how sex works? He thought you literally, when you had to make a baby, you literally had to make a baby. Uh, the creature vows revenge on Victor and says he will be with Victor on his wedding night, but not in a sexy way. In, in a murder way. He's going to kill Victor's fiance Elizabeth, but Victor is such a self-obsessed twit, he interprets this as thinking the monster's going to kill him. Because so far in the book, it's been really dead set on killing Victor. Oh yeah, just all about that. Totally not just about, you know, killing his friends and family. Speaking of friends and family, the monster kills Victor's buddy Henry. And Victor... Uh, this does not seem to really kind of phase him. Instead, he's just like, Elizabeth, let's, like, get married, like, right now. Um, there's a, a weird dark secret that I'm hiding, but as soon as we're married, I'm gonna take care of it. It's gonna be great. And apparently, Elizabeth never read Jane Eyre and learned, um, maybe don't marry dudes who are harboring dark secrets. And so they get married. And it just, like, in every horror movie ever... He leaves Elizabeth alone somewhere, and you know what happens? She finds God. No. She plays Pokemon. She might, but mm. uh, then something else happens. Percy Shelley finds her, fucks her, divorces her. She commits suicide. Uh, em- Emily Dickinson shows up. <laughs> Emily Dickinson. Death Razor. <laughs> Emily Dickinson Death. shows up and says, You're my truest friend, and she drops dead. <laughs> no! The monster kills her! Which monster? The monster! Frankenstein's monster! This isn't some who's on first shit. So, monster kills Elizabeth. And then Victor's dad dies out of grief. So everybody that Victor has ever loved is dead. All because he decided to make a very large, emotionally vulnerable corpse son, and then abandon it. What I imagine when all this happens is the dad from the monsters is smiling, happy-go-lucky, going around violently killing all these people okay well one of the things we're going to talk about is that the monster presumably originally didn't look anything like that so how's victor gonna make this right is he maybe gonna like take the monster to disney world no and they're gonna ride on the teacups no and they're gonna meet didn't exist well then i guess he's just gonna have to hunt the monster to the ends of the earth because disney world didn't exist yet And that's how Victor ends up in the frozen north with Walton as he's been trying to track the creature. And so he tells his whole story and then he dies like a fucking punk. And then who shows up? Henry. 
No, he's dead. Percy? No, he's not in the book. He was a real dude. Igor? <laughs> no, he was never in the series to begin with. <laughs> Al Gore. Maybe. He's, he's, he's up there in the north trying to warn them about the melting ice caps. He's taking those ice samples. Yeah. With those well, big straws. All right, so Al Gore might be there, but um, who's also there is the monster. Which and, monster? I'm not playing this game again. So he's there crying over Victor's body because, you know, I don't know. Like, I couldn't tell you. Like, I don't know. Why is he crying over Victor's body? It's his dad. It's his creator. It's the only thing that gave him meaning in life. Imagine if you found out your god died and left you behind. Well, what if I had also spent pretty much the majority of my life killing off my god's entire family? Because God wouldn't make me a hot partner to do sex with. Well, he was trying to get his attention. So now that the creature has basically destroyed the entire Frankenstein family, he feels like he has nothing left to live for. And he tells Walton, well, I guess I'll go die in a mountain somewhere. Bye. And that's the end of the book. The end. The end. So you'll notice a few things uh, maybe missing from that version there the the monster is just the monster poor guy doesn't have a name he's just butt ugly as all fuck but he's educated and he's full of feelings he's sensitive and intellectual he reads poetry he's basically just one failed novel away from being a grad student and so you know how did we get from there to the sort of pop cultural conception of the monster where he's called Frankenstein, he's green for some reason, he's got bolts in his neck, he just grunts and fire bad, etc. He was Swiss. <laughs> Good job. Um, <laughs> That's what people think of Swiss people at the time. You see, up in those mountains, you get like a really weird green tan. <laughs> what? It's all the uranium that's uh, in the mountain. Yeah, of course. All those green Swiss people that I've met. So, Frankenstein, both the man and the monster, have undergone a significant evolution from the original Mary Shelley story to today. We did the same thing with Dracula. It's true, and I'm actually going to talk about that a little bit too. Uh, But our most recent adaptation of Frankenstein, you kind of remembered it a little while ago. It's called Victor Frankenstein. And the story follows hot young Professor X as Victor and hot grown Harry Potter as Igor. And they have a lot of Victorian sexual tension and, like, Guy Ritchie version of Sherlock Holmes-style quips. And, um, oh yeah, there's, like, a monster in there somewhere in, like, the last ten minutes. Mostly Victor and Igor just kind of gaze longingly at each other. So... What happened? Where the fuck did Igor? Igor. Igor. God, I can't decide on a pronunciation. Al Gore. Al Gore. Where did Al Gore come from? All right. Tennessee. <laughs> Thank you. Asked and answered. So to start, this whole like Frankenstein, who's the doctor, who's the monster bullshit. Oh, the doctor is the monster. Yes, I know. You and every other lit major have made that joke before. Actually, Mary's the real monster. For making Frankenstein. And having sex on her mom's grave. Okay. 
So, the whole confusion can be traced back to a woman named Peggy Webling, who is a British playwright. She was commissioned to write an adaptation of Frankenstein for the stage by a producer who'd already seen success doing a play version of Dracula. So she did, and it opened in London in 1930. And critics actually praised, like, her sort of version of the monster, but not so much the play itself. Now, why does this matter, you may ask? Why does this matter? (laughs) Well, because A, she's the one who fucking calls the monster Frankenstein. It's her fault. She did it. Peggy Webling. Build a time machine, go back in time, and tell her to stop it on behalf of every frustrated English teacher ever in history. Really? If I have a time machine, that's the that's atrocity? That's what you're going to use it for. That's the atrocity I should stop? Way to take all the fun out of my joke. And B, despite the play only doing so-so, Universal Pictures bought the film rights to the adaptation, and before you could say... Some kind of weird 1930s slang. There was the Frankenstein movie. Yahtzee. Before you could say Yahtzee, there was the Frankenstein movie in 1931. That extra, we- extra. Read all about it. There was the Frankenstein movie in 1931, um, just one year later. And it would become the sort of iconic version of Frankenstein and was a part of what would later be referred to as the universal monsters phase which was the phase of movies from the 20s to around the 50s where they did like dracula wolfman creature from the black lagoon kind of shit side note so the the mummy movie from 1999 the super awesome one with brendan fraser and like rachel weiss and shit no george of the jungle yeah with george of the jungle Um, and its subsequently less awesome sequels were actually an attempt to sort of reboot that sort of monster's uh, universe, which ended up kind of crashing and burning with the sexy Wolverine Van Helsing movie, the orangutan Wolfman Benicio Del Toro movie. Oscar winner. Oscar winning. <laughs> Oscar winning Wolfman film. And most recently, sensitive, sexy Dracula, Luke Evans in Dracula Untold. Which is just the untold story is that Dracula is actually a pretty nice guy, y'all. I learned that in Dracula Dead and Loving It. <laughs> you know, in that one we learned that Dracula is uh, Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I only mention this because they are currently attempting to re-reboot this shit with a new Mummy movie that's coming out. Or the Mummy is a sexy lady and Tom Cruise fucks her, I guess. Anyway. 1931 Frankenstein. So this is where shit starts to go kind of screwy. So in the movie, our Frankenstein is not named Victor, but Henry. And he's a middle-aged scientist and like an actual doctor and not like a teenage shithead dropout. And his hunchback assistant, named Fritz, decide to make a corpse man. But Fritz fucks it up because he gives, uh, when they're making the, 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 the man out of the bodies, he gives him an abnormal brain. Abnormal? Yes. Right. I'm going to keep making young Frankenstein references until you've noticed them. The poor dad from Everybody Loves Raymond. It's true. Peter Boyle. Yep. Puchinski. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm a dog. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's, I mean, I, I would love to tell people about Puchinski, but we're going, like, way off the rails at this point. Like, 
If you're like, if you're calling the plot of Frankenstein, fucking Tim Duncan, like we're tracing this from. Hey, there's a there's a movie version by Mel Brooks named Young Frankenstein. Peter Boyle is in that. Kuchinski. You remember Peter Boyle, the dad from Everybody Loves Raymond? He was in a failed TV pilot called Puchinski, where he's a cop who dies, but his now. soul goes into the body of a dog. <laughs> <laughs> So Fritz fucks up, gives a, the corpse a, uh, an, a criminal brain, and so it becomes evil, I guess. What's a criminal brain? I don't know. It's like the brain of a criminal. Like, I guess it's like some guy who was, like, uh, executed for, for doing murders or whatever, and they took his brain and they plopped it in the body, because that's how things work. Uh, so it gets away. Bad stuff happens, and then the villagers kill him by chasing him to a windmill and setting it on fire, and then Henry marries Elizabeth, and neither of them are dead. This is a happier one. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? So, pretty much every Frankenstein property ends up following this one with the bolts in the neck green and kind of stupid monster named Frankenstein. And, uh, just in case you're curious... Our hunchbacked assistant stays Fritz for several movies until he's murdered and we get his replacement, Carl, in The Bride of Frankenstein, and then he's murdered, and then Dr. Frankenstein manages to procure yet another fucking hunchbacked assistant because I guess there was some kind of, like, repository or union or something. And that's when we get the Igor. Vice President Al Gore. Not Al Gore. That's when we get the Igor that we know and love in 1942's The Ghost of Frankenstein. Okay. That's not even the weirdest one. There's I Was a Teenaged Frankenstein. That's a movie. That's a real movie you can watch. So it's like a game of telephone being played over literally a hundred years. And maybe that's the point. Okay. The book is a game of telephone played over many years. This is true. Kind of life imitating art. Yep. Except uh, in our version where we start we start at the modern Prometheus and then end at Victor Frankenstein making no homo sex eyes at Igor who doesn't have a hunch now because that's not sexy. But then I can't even give them shit for taking away Igor's hunch when Igor has absolutely no relation to the original Frankenstein in the first place. So, yes, that's some chicken and egg shit. So it's kind of interesting in that Frankenstein has gone from being a tragic intellectual uggo to then, like, the monsters, and then being marginalized in his own fucking movie. Like, the monster is barely in that movie. We watched it. We were on a plane. There wasn't much else to do. All right, so let's wind it down the way we always do. RJ, Frankenstein, modern Prometheus. Good or bad? I like Frankenstein. Good for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, yeah, you're going to go up in front of the class? I like Frankenstein. Frankenstein. The Modern Prometheus. Solid work by whoever wrote it. Man, woman, other. Megan. RJ. Frankenstein. The the man or the monster? The novel. Ah. Your thoughts? Like, okay. Victor's a dipshit. 
Like, he's just the biggest dipshit. But I'm pretty sure we're supposed to read him that way. I don't think we're supposed to like Victor. I think. Dude, this this book really threw you through a loop, huh? Well, I mean, I don't think we're... I think we're supposed to be like, yes, this man is a shithead. But then at that point, it's like, why do I want to read the adventures of this shithead? I guess basically reading Frankenstein is kind of like watching a horror movie where you're rooting for all the teenagers to die because they suck. Not everyone sucks in the book. Victor might suck. And why does the monster suck? Well, no, the monster's like when you're rooting for the monster in a horror movie. That's the analogy I was making. Now, this may really blow your mind. You know what book the monster reads in Frankenstein? Paradise Lost. Yeah, who who are the two main characters in... God and the devil. Who do most people root for? The devil. Now, let's think about this for a second. I'd really rather not. If we take Frankenstein, who would be God in this equation? <sighs> Victor's God, the monster's the devil. We're making very obvious... I mean, yes, that's why he's reading Paradise Lost in the woods. Like, so is like, Paradise Lost? Mary Shelley is not being subtle about it. She She went to the trouble of being like... Hey, there's this copy of Paradise Lost in the Woods. That's crazy. I'm an ugly corpse man. I sympathize with Satan because God's being a dick to him for no reason. Kind of like my dad is to me. Anyway, I enjoy Frankenstein in the same way that I enjoy watching, like, A Nightmare on Elm Street and watching Freddy Krueger go to town on some teenagers. You know, and Freddy Krueger's pretty fucking ugly, too, so... Maybe there's a comparison there. And uh, that'll about wrap things up for us. Uh, I got a couple thoughts. Oh, you have thoughts now. Yeah. Oh, since we were talking about Paradise Lost. We were. So we already talked about how Frankenstein's last name was probably stolen in some weird way. Yeah. Victor's first name, Victor. Yeah, Victor, Victor's name Victor. Victor's name Victor. Good job. A couple different places that could have came from. Mm-hmm. So, God in Paradise Lost is referred to as the Victor multiple times, as if it couldn't be more obvious. But also... All this does is reinforce to me that, yes, this book was written by a teenager. Percy Shelley's pen name is Victor. Ooh. Should have mentioned that one earlier. I, I mentioned it now. I- yeah, you know, when this book was written, people were actually concerned about people bringing dead people back to life. And so maybe Mary was like trying to warn people, yo, don't be doing this. You might create a monster of some sort and regret it. It might be a pansy man about it. And so let's really think about this before something bad happens. And I think also if you're going to make a corpse son, love him. Love your corpse son! Or maybe any kind of son. Yeah, just just love your son in general, but also definitely love your reanimated corpse son. And that'll about do it for us on this episode of Oh No Lit Class. Please, please, like, subscribe, listen to us on iTunes. It's on, alive. On stuff. Oh, fuck you. On Stitcher, on Google Play, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, we had a Tumblr. We kind of gave up on it because we suck at Tumblr. You can also listen That's to Megan. us at onolitclass.com. We'd like to thank Best Day 
for the use of our theme song because we haven't thanked him in like three episodes because we're terrible. It's his song. Go check out his music at soundcloud.com slash best-day. The next episode will be airing on May 11th. I'm Megan. I'm RJ. Love your corpse child, just like we love you. Oh, he's a monster. I believe that's a Lady Gaga song. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't know the lyrics to that one.